Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Derailed Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Fred. And Fred, you're invisible. Yeah, so are you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time Fred and I have ever recorded not in the same rooms. Yes. So if the sound quality isn't as good as usual, we apologize. But we're both, co- well, I'm kind of away on holiday and Chris is at home. So we, uh, we're Sadly recording. not on holiday, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're recording like- remotely. <laughs> Yeah, we're rocking our USB mics, so we'll see how that goes. But it should be all right. Yeah, hopefully. We're not, we're not on gaming headsets. <laughs> I think we haven't, we haven't gone that low yet. Yeah, no, we've got better microphones than that. I'm actually using the one I normally record with. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, I brought the stuff with me. That's why you sound better. I see how it is. Yeah, so Fred and I just finished up uh, an 18xx weekend. It was like a mini convention. Yes. We We dragged our... Well, I dragged my wife, Rudy dragged his wife to Winterton, which is uh, actually a very nice place. It's a, sort of like a very nature kind of place out in the Drakensberg Mountains yes. or close to them anyway. Close to them, yeah. And, you know, we promised them a romantic weekend getaway and then we played train games for four days. <laughs> I, I didn't make any such promises. That's, that's on you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's how we get them. Yeah, yeah. so this is kind of a, a bumper episode, I guess. We played four games, so we thought we'd talk about all of them. Mm. Um, so we might split this one in two. We're not really sure yet. We're going to see how long we go for. Yeah. Um, if we don't split it in two, then we'll probably miss, I think, just one week in terms of our recording schedule for Christmas and all of that. And then, yes. yeah, I think we'll be back then in the first week of Jan if we miss next week. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, what did we play? Just to give you guys a what we're going to talk about today, we played 89 twice. We played one, well, I missed the second game, but Fred, you played it twice. Yes. We had one two-player game of that and one with a, a newbie after I left. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played a game of 46 because we felt like, once again, we needed to give it another try. Yes. And we played 1859, which was pretty exciting. That's a South African one. Right, yes. So we were keen to try that, managed to snag a copy of that so that was quite fun to give it a go and then we played the classic 1830 as well which we've been wanting to play in person quite a lot after playing so many online games and our discord yes yeah so it was it was pretty awesome it was it felt very much like we were at a convention or something we were kind of just like yeah uh, want to play an 18xx? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it was a lot of lot of 18xx in a in very few days. Yeah, which was which was pretty awesome. Do you feel burnt out? Are you feeling tired? No, I could play another one now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Set it up. <laughs> Turn on the video. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. So before we get to that, um, do we have anything else exciting to talk about before we just look at the mail? Uh, we've got a new patron. Ooh, again. So Brian from Michigan. He's oh well, he's from Michigan, but he's living in Poland. He emailed us. I think we read his email last week or the week before. Oh yes, yeah, we did. Yeah. So he's a. A patron, and he's on Discord as well. And we've started a game with him, or I have started a game with him. Yeah, there's it's actually kind of cool. There's games going on without us now. Yeah, which is cool. There's a food chain magnate game going on. Yeah, yeah. So we create a channel for each game for people to communicate. So I'm just looking at this list of channels here, and I can see there's about eight different games on the go. Yeah, so I've got I'm just checking. Yeah, so you're not in this one with Brian. Yeah, so I'm I'm playing an 1830 with Brian and some other people. How's it going? <laughs> uh, it's very, very early. It's still stock round one, so it 
don't know yet. I haven't, I haven't lost yet. So. <laughs> it's going <laughs> well, I guess. <laughs> You've probably already made a critical error. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm oblivious <laughs> to my loss so far. So for me, it's going well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shame. He doesn't know he's lost already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thank you, Brian. Yeah, we've been chatting to Brian in the, the Discord, but it's good to have him. Yes. Yeah, and thank you again. A second thank you to all the patrons that we have so far. It's been really cool, and it's been really cool having a little community going, which has been really fun for us as well. Yeah, Discord has been quite active, which is nice. Yeah, really nice. Yeah. Really, really nice. I often catch up on Discord, and I see this whole conversations happening and stuff, which is cool to see. Yes. Should we, should we do the mail? Yep. That right there is the mail. Now, let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? All right, well... <laughs> Simon of Simon, Rudy, Fred, and Chris sent us a mail about 1847. Uh, it seemed he had some issues with how how we assessed his epic win. Yeah, that's that's the one we discussed last episode last week. Yeah, so I knew we went for a treat when it started with dear sir slash madam, <laughs> and he signed he signed it warm regards best CEO December 2019 to January 2020. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> short lived short lived tenure CEO there. <laughs> As Vessio, anyway. So, yeah, so we said to Simon, um, I, I said to him, all right, you still haven't been on the podcast, so let's let's make a deal, right? You pick the 18xx, and we will then record afterwards. Yeah, we'll play the one of his choice and then record afterwards. I'm pretty sure he's going to choose 47, though, because that's the one he won, and I think he wants to have his chance to state how he's figured the game out, and we're all idiots. <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, I don't mind. I like 47. Yeah, no, I really, really liked it after our last play as well. Yeah. Okay, Simon, bring it on. Yeah, look forward to it. So then we also got an email from Jerry Woodfield, another Michigan person. Okay. That seems to be the, the place to be if you're into 18xx. It seems to be an 18xx hub over there. Exactly. So he said, please do get me and Michigan Dan in touch if you can. So it looks like we get to play 18xx matchmaker again. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that would be cool. He says, we have a small group of folks in the new, in the metro Detroit area that get together semi-regularly, and we're always looking for new players to join us. So, yeah, that will be sweet. I think Michigan, yeah, Michigan Dan is in our Discord, so I'll just is, yeah. ask him there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he said he loves the way we dissect our players in each episode, giving some details about the game itself. I think that's something we've tried to do. So we didn't want it to be too specific in terms of uh, we, we wanted to sort of extrapolate this is what happened but this is why it's relevant <laughs> to mm. a wider audience than people who would just care about this minor details of our game so yes. yeah thank you jerry um yeah i got made fun of for saying 18 great america again which i feel like i may never have <laughs> done we're gonna have to design one called 18 great america we're gonna have to actually you're right and we're gonna set it in like europe or something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just man. to really Canada really people. <laughs> yeah, Canada. exactly. Oh no, then you yo, that's playing the fire. It's start a war. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, have you guys thought about starting an 18xx convention in South Africa to spread the 18xx gospel? Or perhaps piggybacking on a general board game convention where you can have some intro learning games? So we definitely have. Um, we've mm. spoken about it quite a lot. And I think we want to try and maybe make it happen next year sometime. Yes. I was thinking kind of round about the time we've got, we've had the podcast for one year. It would be kind of a nice one-year anniversary of the podcast to also have an 18xx weekend. 
Yeah, that's true. That would be cool, actually. Yeah. Try and do something like that. So our plan is to arrange something like that. There is a there's basically one guy in Joburg where we live who does these big sort of board game meetups. Um, so we thought maybe we could kind of partner with him and just see if we can use his space because he has a big space um, for board games and stuff like that and just kind of promote it that way and see how many people we can get. Uh, we wouldn't really expect a massive turnout, but yeah, I think it would be fun. If we get 10 people, I'd be happy for the for that one. Yeah, that's true, actually. If we can run two games at once, we'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> booming yeah. success. <laughs> but yeah, we definitely want to do it um, just because, ah, spread the gospel of 18xx, like you say. Yeah, and I think there are some people who are interested, but they don't know where to start kind of thing. So we'll then be there that weekend and help teach people and get them going. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We probably have quite a few by then. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, speaking of which, speaking of exciting news, my 1862 has cleared customs. Oh, in South Africa? Yes, in oh, South nice. Africa. So it should be here shortly. Oh, wow. So just so people across the world can sympathize with our remote location, it cost me a thousand bucks in total in customs and shipping, which is thousand rand, which is how much in dollar dues? 60-ish? Yeah, it's about 60. Is that excluding the cost of the game itself? Yes, yeah. Oh. So I had to pay for the game, pay for shipping to America to the courier, like mail forwarding, whatever. Yeah. And then on top of that, pay another what amounts to a little over sixty dollars just to get it down South Africa. Wow, sure. It's heavy though. That's why it costs so much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Seven pounds apparently. Yeah. I look forward to playing it. Jerry also gives us his top five over here, and his number one is sixty-seven slash sixty-one, which is pretty cool because that's the one that's. I kickstarted. Okay. Then 1880, which is actually getting a mass reprint. I think that's the one set in China, which does some weird stuff with communism and something like that. But um, I think that one is getting a, a sort of a wide release. I feel like Lookout Games or someone like that is doing it. Oh, cool. I could be wrong, but I think that's right. And then number three is 18 Island, which is also Misery Trains, like 49, which I'm really keen to try. Apparently, it's quite brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, four is 18 New England. That's um, Scott from All Aboard Games Design. Oh, yes. It was in the prototype phase, and I think he's going to push it to a mass printing pretty soon, I think. I think it's just wide wrapped up. And the last one is 1822 MX. Okay, cool. Which is the shorter, newer version of 1822, which I'm really keen to try as well. Yeah. I think that is also at some point going to get a, a big printing. Okay. That's a beast of a game, though, but it's got some really cool privates. Oh, really? Yeah, it's got like I think one of them is like a permanent two train. Oh wow! <laughs> a two train that never rests. That's quite cool. I think there's one that guarantees you a five train when you get to that phase. Hmm. It's got a lot of like interesting stuff. Well, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm a sucker for interesting <laughs> so every time <laughs> I say that. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. Moving on. So, which game are we going to talk about first? Um, I don't know. Shall we go in order? In play order, maybe? Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. So you and I played 1889, just two-player, before yep. Rudy and family arrived. Yeah, that was the, the first night I was there. It was like half past ten. Like, oh, we could squeeze in an 89. Yeah, and, and it went quite quickly. I think we called it after two hours or so when you were clearly winning. <laughs> yeah, super fast. Yeah. Super, super fast. So... We had a kind of an interesting situation with that. It was quite a cool game, quite back and forth. And then 
we were in a stock round and then there was that last company, I think it's the Kurashia, something like that railroad that mm. sucks because it only has its home token. It doesn't have any other stations. So it's really not the best and it often gets floated right at the end just to sort of fund something or get some capital into the game. Yes. Um, and you were kind of thinking about floating and we were kind of discussing it and saying like, yeah, if I push the trains, it's actually, it was worse off for you to push the trains because you had a bunch of... Um, threes or fours or something like that so you didn't want sixes and diesels necessarily to come out yeah. i had more of the, the higher trains mm. and for me it wasn't necessarily worth it for me or so i thought and then i was looking at it and i was thinking and you were like what are you thinking about i was like well i think if i float both of these companies i can push through to diesel and rust everything you have and bankrupt you mm. and then you were like uh yeah, that checks out. Okay, <laughs> cool. Let's call it. Yeah, and it was your turn in the stock round, so. Yes, yeah, it was my turn, so. There was nothing I could do about it, yeah. Yeah, and I had enough money to float, because uh, I'd already floated another company, and yeah. then I had enough money to float the last one as well. Yes, exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a good game. It was a fun play, and uh, well well won by you. Yeah, it was cool, man. Like, it, it's... Ooh. Once again, we keep coming back to 89 as a two-player game, and we tried, and we because th the first time we played it was like amazing. Mm. It was such a cool game. There was so much back and forth, and we've come back to it twice now, I think, since then. Yes. And it still holds up for me. It's still a really fun two-player 18xx, and still probably, oh, I don't know, Cologne, we haven't played two-player in a while, so we should try that again. But mm. I want to say 89 is probably the most fun two-player one we've played. I think so, yeah. And certainly functions very well as a two-player game. Oh, yeah, it definitely does, yeah. I think, yeah, because I was saying to you on BGG, which isn't really the most trustworthy thing when it comes to um, 18xx, it's sort of voted uh, controversially a two-player, right? Like some people voted yes and a bunch of people voted no. But I think potentially a lot of those no votes have come from people who've never actually tried it. They just believe that 18xx shouldn't be played with two. Yes, which I can understand because I kind of had that feeling before we tried it. Yeah. Uh, I thought it would be a very different experience, but it turned out to be a good experience. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously not the optimal player count, but yeah, really, really enjoyable and, and very much worth playing. Yeah, yeah, and you can still learn a lot from playing two-player. You can learn the map and the tiles and things like that as well, which can help you in the in the larger player counts too. So yeah, it's fun because it goes quickly and you get to play around with some stuff or try some new strategies or yeah, yeah, just kind of fiddle with things a little bit. But it's very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think if anything else stood out for me from that play. Um, I know you you went for that same opening that I've done a bunch of times with the port company. Mm. Yeah, I did. I just I just kind of did it to take it away from you. I know some people have said that it's not as strong as we think it is, uh, but I yeah. don't I don't really have a you know a, a stronger plan than that. So I went with that one. Yeah, and what I did was ended up doing was I floated that company in the top left. Mm. It starts with a gray 40 hex. And I realized that that one as well also has some pretty, pretty good um, early dividends as well. Mm. Yeah, so I had some success with that one. And you could also tie into all the track that I was building with my, I think, did I have the, the free mountain flattening one? I'm not sure if you did have that one. I think you did because I don't think I had it. So I think you had. It. Yeah, I think I did. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Because I also played that '89 uh, game with um, Rudy and his wife, and there I had it. So I might be mixing up the two games. You know, I think you did have it because I don't remember having it. So okay. I think you did have that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what I did was I just sort of 
went east across the map very quickly and connected to that port tile and stuff that you'd done there and plopped a token down in that main city where the green company starts. Mm. Yeah, so then it wasn't that long that you got to use that port in a way without me using it because you only managed to float, I think, in the second stock round. Right, yes, yeah. So then I had a head start on that. So when we were doing the private thing, I kind of looked at the bidding and and starting that whole cascade or whatever, and I remember thinking that I could potentially stick you with companies that would mean that you couldn't float early. And I thought that floating early might be an advantage, particularly in the two-player game, floating earlier than you. Yeah, I think it definitely is, yeah. Yeah, so then you didn't get to sort of, air quotes, abuse that port tile setup, um, which is very good dividends early on. Um, its only problem is that, yeah, it doesn't. Um, that token, the one token you place, just really isn't in a great spot later in the game. Yeah. You just use it for the early dividends, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but fun game fun yeah, to watch it play out. And I think it was it was fairly close up until fateful stock round. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think so. It's hard to say, but yeah, it was definitely a fun play. Yeah, and nice. And we, we've gotten better at calling our games. Yes, yeah. What was the next one we played? Was it 30 or 46 that we played next? Oh, I think 46 we actually played last. Yeah, we played 59 next. 59 was next, yeah, with uh, so you, me, and Rudy. Yeah. 59 yeah so 59 was new to all of us um kind of interesting in that it's quite similar to 1830 it's a lot similar in terms of its basic setup a lot of the rules are kind of just like same as 1830 but with this you know Mm. um some different privates though some interesting privates there's a couple of privates that never close um so they keep running till the end of the game and they add routes to specific cities um so it's the johannesburg mining contract and the kimberley diamond mine Mm. those are historically in south africa both places where both of those things happened respectively so yeah uh pretty cool pretty cool to play with our own country it was yeah it's it's cool to recognize all the 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 names of the small towns and things (laughs) yeah yeah which i suppose a lot of people live in american stuff get that a lot right where they play on maps that's Yes. Sort of have the area and things like that. So it doesn't happen often. <laughs> it doesn't happen too often for us. So it was pretty cool to see. In terms of the actual game, uh, it was kind of interesting. So I think we kind of approached it like we were playing 1830. Mm. And so in my head, it was kind of like, okay, we had a lot of starting capital. It was only three of us. Um, and I think we started with something like 800 in a three-player game. I think so, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. So we had a lot of starting capital. So we could all float companies and we could float them for higher than minimum um, quite easily. But we were kind of going on the conventional wisdom of, okay, like float low and then float your second one high and find the, you know, the sort of 1830 loop. Um, the difference in this game being that there's were six corporations instead of, uh, is it nine? Eight or nine in 1830. Mm, yeah, I'm not sure, yeah. Yeah, I think either eight or nine in 1830. So it, it turned out being quite different in that we sort of stalled our economies quite a lot. Yes. So there was a period where the economy stalled, but then what I noticed was that we kind of managed to refund our treasuries with some big roots. And we had a lot of shares in the bank pool in that game. Mm. And I don't know if that was a function of the game, but there was a huge amount of stock selling going on. Yeah, it was one of the ways we were trying to get more money into the companies, I think. Uh, So kind of buying a sixth share in your own company and selling it back to the market and doing that every stock round kind of thing. 
Yeah, and there were there, there were also plenty of us selling each other's shares. Yes, I'm not really sure what triggered all of that, but I just remember at some point I think there was just a lot of shuffling around. So there weren't a lot of companies to go around. So yeah, people were trying to I think sell down quickly so they could float another company and fund their first company. And yeah, there was a lot of competition for for sort of treasuries. I can put it that way. Yeah. So one of the main differences in this game is that tokens don't block routes. So you have to pay $10 if you pass through someone's token when you're running a route. $10 from your company's treasury to the company's treasury that you're passing through. Yeah, before it runs the route. So you have to have some cash to be able to do that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Which I could see potentially being a problem if you had a much more empty treasury than we had. We had so much money. For whatever reason, we just had treasuries with like a couple of hundred just kind of lying in them. And I don't know if that means that we... I guess it would kind of imply that we did something inefficiently. Yeah. If you have all this money that you can't use. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, but I feel like someone would say that. I feel like someone would say, yeah, you guys screwed up. Yeah, it. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it means that there was potentially more you could have extracted from the company into your own pocket somehow or by just parring it correctly for the train level or whatever the case is. But, but yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Either like spending more or... Or spending less, essentially, but either yeah. way, yeah, somehow making more use of it. Yes. Um, but even after we stalled for a little bit, we did eventually bust out the big trains. We didn't sit on on low trains forever, and we managed to get up into the the high ones. I think maybe perhaps as a function of yeah having money going into those treasuries. Yeah. So how did you feel about the token rule? Because what's interesting about it is that you can run routes, but they also don't block you in terms of laying track and things like that so mm. you don't have to pay to lay track beyond someone's token you can just do whatever you want yeah it's it is interesting so you still do lay tokens because it allows you to run more routes if you have multiple trains but them not blocking i don't know i kind of i've kind of i kind of liked it <laughs> i made use of it a few times for sure yeah i don't know how drastically it changes the game i think it might make it a bit friendlier actually so i'm i'm a little torn on that because that's what i initially thought right i was like going to be like a chill day 30 but what i realized with it though which can potentially become a problem is that you can't block people from messing with your track and that i found quite threatening a lot of the time that's true yes so other people can literally just build crappy track where you don't want it or upgrade a track tile to something you really don't want so I think potentially, especially if you have good knowledge of the track in that game, you could really sabotage people's routes because there's nothing that they can do to prevent you from building track on their line. So I think that there would be a lot in terms of timing and operating order of companies to make sure you can get the correct sort of like upgrade at the right time or whatever you needed to do to sort of try and dodge or prevent someone from messing with your track. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's not something we really did, though. No, but I remember one time you, Rudy, started building track, and I was like, "Ah, what are you doing? No, don't go that way." Go, and it ended up being better for both of us, so it was fine. Okay, but that's what made me think, like, "Oh my god, this guy can just just build track here, like in a way I totally don't want him to, yes. and like totally mess with my plans." And there's actually nothing that I can do about it. Yeah, which I think is a very very different thing to consider. Mm, it is, yeah. Because oftentimes in other games, if I don't want people messing with my track, I'll try and basically token them out of it. Yes. Yeah, but in this one, yo, people, I could see people aggressively laying track and 
puzzle, just laying track to sabotage other people's routes and stuff like that. So I think there's something to play around with in there. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's I didn't even think about that while we were playing. Um, but that it is definitely a possibility. Yeah, so I came away from that game feeling like we hadn't done it properly in a way. I came away from it feeling like we didn't get the financing right. We didn't get like the flow right that maybe we should have powered higher. It felt like, you know what I mean? Like we'd sort of amateured it, in yes. a way, which I guess makes sense for it being our first play. But I think I had a lot of preconceived 1830-ish ideas and they just didn't necessarily apply. Right, yeah. In, even with small differences, it's actually a very different game. Yes. What was really cool was that we finished really close to each other. Yes, we were quite close. But I was just going to say, I think that's that's going to be the case in most 18xxs that you play for the first time. Well, for me anyway, because <laughs> I can't just like look at um, what changes there are and then decide exactly how that'll impact things. I think that's kind of, you learn that as you play, how, the, how those changes will impact things. Yeah, I think for me, definitely it was a lesson though, not preconceived ideas. Mm. So... I think stuff like looking at the number of corporations and being like, oh, wow, there's only six corporations. Like, that's going to have a real impact on, you know, how many corporations I can expect to float, how I plan on funding my treasuries, mm. how I plan on pushing trains if I want to control the capital and push trains in that way. So, yeah, I, I think it's kind of interesting in that sense, in that only like when we got there, did I realized like, oh, there's no more companies to float, right? Right, yeah. But... I should have been able to figure that out from the beginning. I should have been able to look at something as basic as there's only six corporations in this and nine or whatever it is in 1830. That's a significant difference. Yes, yeah. But there are so many basic things to look at, though, I think. No, I mean, it's definitely true. Yeah. I'm just thinking in terms of, yeah, a kind of like something, a mental note I made for my thinking for the future. Right, yeah. But yeah, I think we were like, how much were we apart? Uh, I've was got it, the scores um, here. So... Rudy won with 5,671, and then you had 5,479, so like 200 difference. Sure. And then I was behind you 5,430, so 49 difference there. You. Yeah, very close. <laughs> 49 is like, yeah. yeah. Someone was saying the other day that, you know, anything below, I think they said like 100 or a couple of hundred or whatever is essentially a tie. Right, okay. Which I thought was kind of an interesting perspective. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a tie to me. It feels like someone, like one narrowly. But I do get the the logic of that. Yeah. That potentially... Uh, I mean, if the bank survives by $10 and you have another set of OOs, that result could change, right? Yeah. So yeah. But that is, yeah, that is very close, you know. Yeah, it's essentially just a tiny tweak here or there over the course of the game and it could be yeah, a different result. Yeah. Pretty cool, though. I uh, had a bank of 9,000 as opposed to 12,000. Oh, right, yeah. So a little bit shorter. Mm. Um, yeah, what did what did you think of it overall? And it's kind of like a first impression. I enjoyed it. It It is fun seeing your own kind of country <laughs> playing in that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that got quite a kick out of that. I got both the, the miners that never close. So the, what is it, the diamond contract and the, what's the other one? Yeah, that seemed really good. Yeah. I managed to I managed to hit both of those with the same company, but the thing is, it took me a very long time to get there. Yeah. So yeah, your kind of problem was you had this company that was way down in the south. Yes. Yeah. It was far away from both Kimberley and Johannesburg. 
So, but I mean, when I got there, the roots were paying a lot. <laughs> yeah, they were paying a huge amount. It adds a lot because I think one of them adds some fifty for every run. I think so. Yeah, I think it was fifty and thirty or something like that, if I remember correctly. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I can't remember the map exactly now, but could you get there quicker with another company? I'm not sure. Um, I think maybe Durban would have got there quicker potentially. Okay. Um, but you might be right. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think the oh, and the other Johann- you could start Johannesburg itself, right? Which is in Johannesburg, but the Johannesburg contract only kicks in in the brown phase. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 So it is a late game one anyway. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting in that sense. But yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Um, I, it's one of those ones where I wouldn't tell someone to like really seek it out. It's one that's very hard to find. It's very niche. It was an old winsome 18xx. So I think it was cool for us. Um, yes. And I, I'm happy to play it again. And I am, I'm glad that we have it. Yeah. Um, I don't think that I would necessarily like go out of my way to find it if I was you know living in america no no i don't i don't think it was mind-blowing it but the novelty is there for us because it's south africa so yeah for this i think that we get a a bit of a kick out of that that other people won't so yeah exactly yeah exactly okay cool man should we talk about 1830 yeah so 1830 was the next one we played again you me and rudy and again i came last (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this time you you won this one though this was a cool one yeah this was one of those games where it sort of shows how brutal 18xx can be because mm. i basically won the game on the back of one yeah one move yes. essentially i suppose there's a lot building up to any move but yeah the game was going well and then the game was over <laughs> yes yeah. in the course of one of and, that, yeah. and that move was purchasing the six train that rust was it the six or a diesel it was a diesel okay we had a bunch of trains that are trusted yeah so actually i realized i left four companies without any train right yeah yeah that's brutal so there were sure. four companies that needed to emergency buy mm. um keeping in mind i just bought a diesel so the options weren't all that cheap yes so what essentially happened was um, you had to, you wanted to be the first, you and Rudy were racing to be the first to buy a six train. Yeah. Uh, both of you had a bunch of three trains, mm-hmm. but you knew that the six train thing was coming. So it was kind of an arms race between the two of you to be kind of the first one to buy it. But both of you had four trains as well. So the threes rusting sort of diminished your revenues, but they weren't necessarily a big problem. Uh, I think the the thing that put me in such a strong position was that I ended up with all three five trains. Yes. So what happened was, at yeah, I think you bought the last four at an OR, mm. and then I bought the first five, and then I floated a company at 100, and that company went first in the next hours, and I bought both the other two fives. Yes. So I had three companies and one five train in each company. So I had plenty of room to shuffle trains, and I also had no risk at all of anything getting rusted. Right, yeah. So then I'd been paying into my company for a while because I had a bunch of shares in the bank pool and I realized that if I just moved a little bit of money around, I could engineer a a sort of problem, Mm. (laughs) I guess you could call it. So it kind of worked out well. So what happened was I sold the three train to the one company to get its treasury. So that company now had a five and a three, but that happened before you bought the six, which rusted the threes. Right, yeah. So that allowed me to shift money around without impacting my stock prices or anything like that. 
and without being train locked in that company. Yes, exactly. So then when it came around to me again, uh, you had bought the six and our diesels were available. And I actually upgraded my five train to a diesel, which is something I've never done before. I've never upgraded a permanent oh, right, to a diesel. Yeah. Yeah, and you, and then I said, announced with an evil grin that the four trains were all dead, and you guys looked up like, "What?" I, I think we just sat back in our seats and like, "What?" Yeah, yeah, you were like, "Oh," and then like as you were moving your trains, the implications set in, and you, oh no, yeah. So you got screwed over the hardest because Rudy got to buy the last six train. Mm. And he got to buy the five train that I put in the bank pool when I upgraded to a diesel. Right. So you were stuck emergency buying two full price diesel trains, which yes. is about as awful as it gets. <laughs> we should have called it immediately at that point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you managed to buy two full price diesels without going bankrupt. And yes. you had to plot along for like another couple of ORs in a stock round. And then eventually at the end of the stock round, I was like, uh... Guys, I have 60% of the three best performing companies. Yeah. No, we should have called it as soon as that happened. And I knew at that point that I was losing. But I think Rudy might have still had a shot. But after running for a few more hours, it became clear that he wouldn't be able to to catch you. So, yeah. Oh, man. it's <laughs> That was terrible, though. Because we went, when we went to that stock round, you had had to sell so many shares. You had two shares. Mm. in a company and i had two shares in that company i think as well yeah and then i just took over the company from you that now had a diesel yes and you couldn't have enough money or any money really to defend it from happening so no, i couldn't do anything about it and then really stole your other company and then we had one or and we we're just like no okay this is done yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no that was well played yeah so i'm trying to think what happened in that game or what we kind of <laughs> what we learned from that game but i guess don't get stuck don't let someone get all three cheap permanents is probably the yeah the salient I, lesson. well i think i was so focused on getting that six train that i didn't you know pay attention to the fact that it would open up the diesels and that you might be able to orchestrate a way to get one yeah so yeah i think that was my mistake yes yeah because you could have not bought that six train but then i suppose rudy would have but yeah but maybe I could have prepared for for it a different way or something. I don't know. Yeah, in that game, I found operating order was so important. Mm. That's the one thing I kind of took away from that. I mean, we've seen operating around order be important a lot. But in that game, there were so many crucial moments where the order in which you operated was so crucial. And I found myself trying to manipulate it quite a lot. Yes. Yeah. To the point where I'd sell someone else's shares to move them down or sell my own shares to move me down. And that's something that can really mess with your plans. Like if you think, okay, cool, I'm going to operate first. I'm going to do this. And then it sells a couple of your shares and suddenly you're operating third. Mm. It can really severely screw up what you had planned for yourself. Oh, yeah, definitely is. Yeah. So I think that that was something that, that really stood out to me in terms of being something that I feel like all of us were sort of aggressively manipulating in that game. Yeah, I think we're all paying more attention to that as well now. Like as we're getting the hang of the rest of the game, we can see the implication of turn order and also try and manipulate it, which, which we're now starting to do. So, you yeah. know. We pushed the trains a lot faster as well. Mm, we did quite, yeah. I bought three, two trains right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting having played online. I've got a better feel for which are the good companies early and which ones sort of worth floating early on and things like that. Right, yes. So I floated the New York New Haven company, which is great at getting early dividends, buying up your privates and then sort of dumping itself. Um, 
it's great for that if you build up to the northeast. Oh, yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I bought three two trains and then I could run three routes as soon as the trains could run. They could run three routes because I dropped a token up north there, mm. which may or may not be a bad idea. I'm not sure, but it never ended up really costing me too badly. But I think if you're not planning on on running a company into the late game, if you plan on sort of offloading it and, and starting up something else, then it can just be a, a stock appreciation company by the end of it. Yeah, as long as it keeps going. Yeah, it, it always feels a little bit risky to me, though, to go so heavy into the two trains because you know they're just going to rust soon and then you have nothing. So you need to then be able to float a second company to get a train back into that company that bought all the twos. But if you're able to do that, then yeah, like you say, it can just keep running and keep increasing in stock value for the rest of the game. So yeah, I think the advantage of doing that, of pushing those trains, is that you get to the green phase early and you get to buy in your privates and then float that second company. Right. Then you have cash for to float the second company. Yes. Yeah. So what I've been doing is I don't buy four twos, I buy three twos so that I can buy a fourth train in green. So either a three or a four train, depending on where we are. Usually a three train. Right. Okay. So if I buy three twos and someone else will usually break the three into the threes and then I'll buy three trains. And then when those twos rest, I don't have to have a, a stock price drop. Because if you buy four twos, you're going to have to do a buy where your trains are rested and you don't and you lose that one stock jump. Yeah, there'll be one OR that you can't pay a dividend in. Yeah. Yeah, and that's quite punishing. Even just losing one stock jump like that is pretty punishing. So mm. I try and avoid that from happening. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but. Yeah, that's kind of worked for me. So my companies, my early ones, often have three two trains and one three train. Right, okay, yeah. And then, like you said, the twos rise quickly, and then you can run a kind of a three route. Mm. I think it also depends um, how heavily you want to go into a two train strategy, um, depending on if you feel like you're going to get a few runs out of them. Sometimes people are quite slow to push the trains. So if I'm the person who buys three two trains, you know, if someone else buys one, then someone else buys one, then it kind of suits me really to just sit there running my three twos. I shouldn't, I don't feel like I should be allowed to get that much value out of them. Yeah, the other players should try and rest them quickly, yeah. So I'll often do that, especially if there's, yeah. Um, whether or not I drop that second token that allows me to run a bunch of routes early, it's kind of dependent on how fast it looks like people are going to be pushing the trains. Okay. So I can see it being a poor decision if you feel like your twos are only going to run once and you might want to hold on to that token, especially yes. New York, New Haven, which only has one extra to place. Right, yeah. But yeah, otherwise I love running three twos, just, <laughs> you know, getting like 110 revenue or whatever and just like, yeah, well, you guys can rest. <laughs> I'll chill over here and wait, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. But I enjoyed playing 1830 in person again. It was good. Yes, I liked it as well. Yeah, we've been playing so much online. It was fun to play it face-to-face -face again. <laughs> yeah. And it was fun. Like, after all the, like, talk we've had about 1830 on the podcast and all the online games we played, it was funny to play it in person again because the first time, the last time we played it was was when it was, like, our third ever game of 18xx, you know? Yes. Um, so to do that private auction again and to watch people bidding and warring over the CNA and stuff like that <laughs> was quite interesting to see. It's like, yep, this is how it was supposed to be the first time we yes. did Yeah, yeah, the first time we pretty much probably just bought at face value everything as they came up. <laughs> yeah, and I think the first time it took us like 12 hours to play as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our two trains probably lasted until stock round five or something. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I can't run another route. Why would I buy another train? <laughs> <laughs> ah, to be young again. Yeah.
I say this like it wasn't like eight months ago or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've hopefully learned a lot since then. Yeah, no, I think we have. But very cool, very cool game. It um, is, yeah. Still yeah, is. I can see why it's such a classic. Yeah, I do like it a lot. And I think the more we play it, the more comfortable I kind of get with the sharp edges because I think there's mm. less like gotcha moments. You kind of know what to expect. Mm. Uh, you know what people can do more of. Um, yeah, you know that the tiles are restricted. So I think it can be kind of harsh if that's your first 18xx. I think there's a lot of stuff that will sort of catch you out, mm. like the double O tiles and some of the orientations of routes and places you can and can't go and how restricted the tiles it is. You float your company and one of the four yellow city tiles isn't available and you can't even start it. And yeah, all that kind of stuff that yes. could potentially be kind of miserable if you weren't used to it. So, yeah. But it was good. It was fun. Mm, it was a very nice good. climactic ending. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was 1830. I don't know if anything else that game sort of stood out to you. No, I don't think so. No, shall we move on to the next one we played, which was 1846? Well, actually, the last thing I want to play about 18, say about 1830 is that we have come full circle and we are now part of the curmudgeonly people who don't like nice graphics. Uh, that's more you than me. I've, I've never complained about the not nice graphics. <laughs> oh, my word. I was complaining so much. I the Mayfair version or whatever with the pretty board. I was like, I can't see these towers. What's going on here? What is this crap? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I also complain about the nice graphics, but I've never complained about the lack of nice graphics. I think that was more of an issue for you than it was ever was for me. <laughs> oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 But you've come yeah. around. <laughs> oh, 100%, man. I was just like, this isn't clear enough like but i mean i was i was being serious but i wasn't really like angry about it i mean i was playing no. around with rudy or whatever but yeah. um i was serious in the sense that yeah the the planar avalon hill version which is generally touted by the veterans to be the superior version i totally now understand why yes because clarity is kind of everything oh it's king it's definitely it's i mean it speeds up play as well avoids confusion which yeah. i'm always for <laughs> avoid any chance of confusion if you can so yeah no definitely yeah i see what they were trying to do but there's a lot of places where it kind of didn't really work or i didn't really agree with how they did it i think especially for like the hardcore 18xx's inventions i think it just didn't work as well you know mm. like how the trains don't have any colors on them or anything to indicate what phase they belong to. Yeah. They don't say on them what they rusted about or anything, but all that information is on your charter, which is just a weird, it's sort of like, okay, so it's here, but it's not on the train. And I think you're used to seeing it on the train, especially the different colored trains. Yes. Yeah. And those are simple things that's, I mean, easy to do. And I don't think you necessarily appreciate them when you have them until you play a game that doesn't have that. Yeah. And I think we've played enough times, 1830 enough times now to know that the twos are yellow, three green and then five mm. up you know we, we we know enough to know all of it but it was still it almost felt like it was a bad move for beginners even like, yes to yeah. not show that the three chain is green now you're in the green phase you oh know? yeah i feel like yeah. that ties things together a lot more clearly yeah for sure yeah but that's kind of the only version that's semi-available um i'm keen i really wish someone else would do a sort of an 1830 reprint just like a nice clear version with nice components and stuff i think yeah the world would be happy to have that because you can get Avalon Hill versions on like eBay and stuff like that, but oh, it's obviously oh, okay. cost prohibitive and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of overly nice versions, 1846. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'd been itching to play 1846 and I think you'd come around a bit as well to wanting to play it again. 
which is funny because after our last game, we were kind of like, yeah, <laughs> this is probably not the game for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, like, we, after our last play, we were like, ah, I don't know if we ever need to play that. Right? Yes. Yeah. But then, uh, then I kind of felt like, okay, we played with the beginners. So we went a little bit slowly. And maybe that's why the end game felt boring and a bit like overly long. Like, mm. so I had a mission in this one. I'm going to go in, I'm going to sell every share that I can. I'm going to issue shares like it's going out of fashion. I'm going to push the trains. Let's get to brown phase and the second ORs. You mm. know, I was like, let's do this thing. Yeah. Because that was what I'd been told how it's normally played. Yeah, I know. We did well with that. We, we pushed them very, very quickly. Yes. Uh, I think we were basically up to brown by like OR2 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think there was a little gap before someone actually purchased the first brown. Right, okay. But we'll, we'll, we'll let that slide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what did you think of this play? Oh, man, the same. Mm. The same. I finished feeling so lukewarm on it. And let me tell you something. 1846 is interesting for the first, like, half. Mm. And then it becomes kind of not interesting. Yeah. And that's how I felt the last time, too. When I started playing, I was like, yeah, this is fun. These privates are pretty cool. I'm floating companies. I'm doing stuff. And then by the end, I was like, oh, okay, I'm ready for this to be over. Mm. Yeah, I felt I felt similar. And for some reason, I don't know exactly why, but it seems like route calculations are so difficult in 46. I don't know. It's because you can... So in 46, you can lay one tile and or and lay a second one or upgrade one tile. So that means yeah. that the, the board is very, very full of tiles. And I, I think that might make it difficult to see whether you know routes have changed you're basically recalculating your routes every single or i find i don't know if you found that as well i did yeah i don't know like i mean i feel like we were just sort of like saying this is the route this is what i've added and take it from there you know but it felt like you did have to constantly recalculate because you're always kind of unsure of yourself and there were so many like little windies and crossovers and bends Mm. And and I kept having to make sure I'm not reusing the same track, right? And it became kind of exhausting. Yes. Because I'd find these routes and I'd be like, okay, there's that one. Okay, now this one. Am I using the same? No, I'm not. I don't. Uh, am I using the same? No, I'm not using the same track. Okay, this one went that way. Yeah. And like redoing that over and over and over again. It did. It almost became like tedious in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the same. The routes, the hours were a bit tedious for me, just calculating the routes and, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it is, man. Like, I had another one-company game where I only floated one company, I think. Mm. I only really ever needed to, though. I don't yeah. know. Like, I floated the one. I issued all its shares. It got capitalized anyway because, because it's so smooth, man. It's so slow. Your trains phase out. Mm. So, like, I'll buy the train that phases out my trains. That means I get to run those trains twice. Yeah. Oh, what a pleasure, man. Yeah. And I'm just like, and my stock price does like a triple jump. Then I buy one share and I've got enough money for the next train. I don't know. It felt so easy to keep one company going that I never really felt compelled to float another company. I remember we were in that stock round and you said, I feel like this is a critical choice because you didn't know whether to float New York or not. It was quite yes. late in the game. And, you know, you said to me, like, what would you do? Well, you said, like, don't tell me, but I feel like I'm not sure I know what you would do or something like that. So then after you floated it, I said I wouldn't have floated. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you passed it to me, I wasn't going to float it. And it just felt so kind of useless for you, like, because it, it was, was so far back. Like, my company was doing double jumps and triple jumps and everything, and it had its whole network already. 
out there. So for me, I wanted to invest in the other companies that were going to do double jumps as well. Yeah. And I think that's the problem with the stock double and triple jumping. Mm. This company that starts out and like sort of slowly picks up pace, it just doesn't feel like there's enough time for it to like really shine. No, not while the other companies are doing double jumps and you're trying to catch up. Definitely not, no. And I think that's definitely a function of us. I mean, I think that people would say it's weird that we hadn't already flowed to that company. Mm. But... I don't know. It just, it never really felt necessary. My sh I floated my first company at a very high share price. Mm. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I wanted to get into the the big jumps and I wanted to um, be able to issue shares for a lot of money. I don't know, mm. whatever the case may be. Anyway, I did that. And yeah, the, the share price ended up being enormous. I never ran out of money. I never needed to float another company to fund it. So I just kind of never did. I just invested in whatever companies were doing big stock jumps. Yes, yeah. Yeah, but you're very good at always floating a, a strong company with strong roots right from the beginning. Very often in the play, our plays, your companies are the ones paying the biggest dividends. Uh, and they do so from early on. Yeah, my early dividends are usually good. Yeah, you're very good at spotting that and, and executing that, I think. So. And in a game like this, where you are likely to hold on to the company you float, uh, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, it just feels so easy in a way. Mm. I don't know. I think that there's something to be said for like aggressive tokening and maybe if other players, expert players were in the game, they'd push the trains even faster than we did, which would create more pressure. But I don't know. We pushed them pretty fast. I think there could have been some more aggressive tokening going on. I know New York could have screwed me with a couple of tokens, but I think you were so... Yeah. just interested in the game by that point that you weren't really trying to scream <laughs> you over you're just trying to figure out your damn roots yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh something that we kind of briefly discussed after we played it though is is those triple jumps at the end of the game um and how they're almost like a runaway leader kind of thing and yes uh, yeah but i think maybe that's also kind of like a, a newbie friendly rule because you probably have a runaway leader in most 18xx's anyway at some point it's just when it's not triple jumping in stock price it's more difficult to see it so i think by one company doing a triple jumps while everyone else is doing double or single stock moves it may it's maybe just a clearer indication of there's a winner and maybe you can call the game yeah and maybe that is the case um it just I've heard a lot of things about 1846 being able to be, be called very early and maybe that's the way to play it. Maybe just the second half of the game is just really not that interesting and yes. you should just try and figure out who's won earlier because I think the first half of the game is pretty fun and then it just gets boring and then you kind of just want it to be over. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like it kind of peters out or slows down. or It feels so like a rote by the end, like mm. you're just going through mm. the motions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. And then and I think that's what always leads taste and we called this one we didn't even run the bank up no we did call it yeah because this was a case again where i could point to my company and say okay i've got 60 percent of the two highest share companies and they're about to double jump again yeah i don't think anyone's going to catch me based on that and yeah. yeah we just called it from there yeah yeah but i wanted to call it because i was overplaying it really <laughs> <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i was like yeah okay come on let's wrap this up yeah you know? well i didn't put up a fight so <laughs> Yeah, no, because I think, yeah, I think it was something your New York got pretty hosed in a way and then you got behind in shares and yeah, it just ended up not being great. So then it was kind of between me and Rudy. But then I looked at Rudy's shares and my shares and we had the same number of shares, mm. but my shares were much better. So yes. I was just like, 
I've got, we both had a huge amount of cash to buy whatever shares we wanted in the next stock round. So it's just like, you're not going to catch me now. Like yeah. I've got the best shares. They're not ever going to not be the best shares and we are both going to buy whatever's left. So mm. it's over kind of thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Which I think is, I mean, I've heard people say ridiculous stuff. Like you can call it in stock round three, whoever has the most shares at the end of stock round three is one and stuff like that. Um, I've heard all kinds of claims made about 46. I think maybe if all the players have a lot of experience with the same 18xx, you can do stuff like that. Or or with 46, you can do stuff like that in 46. But yeah, I, I don't personally know 46 well enough. But like I say, maybe those double jumps and triple jumps are just a way of the game indicating to you that someone is in the lead and will stay in the lead. So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So I'm back. I'm back off it again. <laughs> Yeah, until <laughs> my desire to play it has once again been diminished. <laughs> until until a couple of months, maybe then we'll might have an itch again. <laughs> yeah, who knows? See, I feel like the itch for me was like we didn't do the thing where we like issue a ton of shares really quickly, try to do that, and then we did do that, and that was kind of fun. But then the second half felt the same. Maybe we learned something else in the meantime, and something else we want to try. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. But can we try it in you 1830? You don't sound convinced at all. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. I don't know. I'd rather play 1849. Because mm. 1849 is the same capitalization, you know, where you can issue shares, where it floats at 20%. So it gives me that cool part of 46 that I like, where you can just be like, cool, float this company, boom, yeah. sell a bunch of shares, you know? I think that's really cool. But 49 feels like a fun game with some interesting stuff going on. Right, yeah. That stays interesting until the end. So I feel like for me, the fact that 49 exists means I don't really want to play 46. Right, okay, yeah. And doesn't have that annoying root calculation as well. Yeah. I think the other thing that happened in this 46 game was that for me it put the nail in the coffin for it being the so-called best beginner game i would now outright say definitely not yes and i don't know if you were still here when I, well rudy and i discussed that so rudy's wife was here as well this weekend and then and then you guys left and it was just me rudy and her and uh, we kind of wanted to try an 18xx with her and see what see what she thought so Rudy and I were discussing it and decided against using 46 for her first 18xx and and you left your 89 with us and we used that. And I think that was a good decision at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I think I agree now. I kind of always felt that 46 might be a, a good intro game, but I, I kind of agree now with you guys that, yeah, maybe it's not and it's better to do something like 89. I see it in terms of it's like Euro nature hmm. but there's actually so many funny little rules in that game and so many things that are not very 18xxy it's very different from other 18xx's and a lot of it is kind of i don't know kind of confusing yeah in a way i think that there's a lot more rules to remember than there is in something like an 89 which is actually fairly straightforward yes it is actually yeah it's just yeah i think 89 just flows better just makes more sense the root navigation is a lot less hectic on your brain, mm. um, a lot easier to manage. Oh, I just think it doesn't have this boring end game. <laughs> um, there's a lot of maneuvering that you can do and things like that. So, yeah, 46 it just never has that maneuvering for me. I look at my company and I'm like, why would I sell? I'm about to triple jump at stock. Right. Like, I'm not in any danger of having my trains rusted because I can just buy like two shares and 
sweet, it's going to be fine. Or I've bought another one share. Now I can issue like two more, whatever. You know, I don't know. You just never really like, mm. never really in danger. Yeah. I went the whole early game. All I bought was my own shares. I'd issue them into the bank and yeah. then Stockground came and I'd buy them out of the bank. Right. Yeah. And that was my whole beginning of the game and it was fine. And my company ended up with a massive stock price and huge mm. dividends. I was paying like 750 a run or something. Yes. It's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just uh, only ever really owned and controlled one company. Uh. Yeah, and I think also it was the case for me as well. The first time I played in 18xx, I, I didn't want to call the game because it's your first time playing and you, you want to play the whole thing, you know. So with an 1846 yeah. that can drag a bit at the end, I think that's a bad thing and might leave a bad impression as well. It's that sort of board gamer thing, right? You never call board game mm, exactly <laughs> when you're yeah. playing like a euro or something even if you know someone's won you're not going to call it generally you'll play it out till the end because it doesn't take that much longer and mm. you just want to see who can yeah. get the better score who comes second yeah <laughs> all that kind of stuff yeah. you know but the more you play 18xx the more i think you're okay with calling a game oh yeah i've become so comfortable with it yeah. cool let's call this one sweet you know and yeah. it feels totally fine to do so oh well maybe one day we'll call a game and you don't win and maybe it won't feel so sweet <laughs> <laughs> yeah one three out of four so that was a pretty good run yeah i won zero out of four i think well zero out of five <laughs> actually <laughs> <laughs> oh crap yeah so i'm actually curious to hear about your um your 89 play yes uh, with rudy and his wife because she was brand new so i messaged rudy and i think you know and he said he did tell me that she really liked it and they were sort of discussing strategy in the car okay afterwards and i was like yes we have yeah. it <laughs> we've got it <laughs> yeah so the the game went on quite late actually because we started fairly late but still it, it was a long game and there was a time when we could call it and i kind of suggested it and she said no let's finish we've started let's finish uh so i think that's part of like she plays a lot of heavy board games but i think that's part yes, of the board yeah. gaming kind of thing you want to see it through she went she wanted the full experience um so we finished quite right. late but she was saying she was still like lying in bed afterwards thinking about what she could have done differently and things like that so i think that's a good sign yeah definitely yeah yeah that's always the best sign when it sticks with you afterwards exactly yeah yeah so um yeah i know it went well uh so rudy won that one and i was second in the end um just looking at the score differences so rudy was ahead of me by 400 and then i was ahead of rosie by 150 ish thereabouts so not a big gap there oh, okay not yeah. bad at all yeah. yeah no she did pretty well and she she got it very quickly i think it was it wasn't too difficult to teach either um i don't know if it's because she has a lot of experience with heavy board games but it wasn't that difficult to teach really i did give some pointers throughout the game though and i but i told her up front like um I kind of said we weren't going to be, you know, go easy on her, but we would also point out right. things that you that I know you you don't necessarily see the first time you play, and I don't know if that's a good yeah. thing or not. That's kind of my approach as well. When I've taught, I took the same approach where I wouldn't go easy or anything, but I'd let people know, like just so you know, this can happen. Yeah, or, this person has two companies, so what they can do is switch a train around and get rid of the other one and leave you on the you know that kind of stuff like yeah. just the, the basic like gotchas that you kind of have to watch out for. exactly yeah yeah so there was a time where i could dump my company 
uh, onto her and it had two trains that would rust in the next set of ORs. Um, and I pointed it out that she should be on the lookout for this. Um, and she then did sell right. shares so that I couldn't dump it on her. But yeah, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think I think that's a good way to do it. I think it's fine to do it that way. I think so as well, because if you just get a company dumped and bankrupt, you might just be like, oh, womp womp. <laughs> yeah. Although on the other hand, some people say they don't mind it happening to them their first play because then they want to do that to other people the next time. So yeah, I, I think it's, sure. there weren't any company dumps in our play. So I think on the flip side, she didn't see some of the more interesting things that could happen in an 18xx either. Right. But yeah, it was still a fun play and she still enjoyed it. So That's cool, man. Now, Rudy said you did a, a good job as a teacher. Oh, great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, which I think I think it's quite tough, man. I remember when I sat down to teach 89, I was like, okay. And then I kind of paused for like a good 10 seconds. I was like, where the hell do I start? I know, I know like, exactly. What is the yeah. first thing that I say? Like, what do I explain first? Yes, you know? it is you're difficult. kind of like, oh... Crap, yeah. Because stock rounds are very different from ORs, and you kind of need to understand both at the same time to see how the one affects the other. So it is difficult to know where to start, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So what I'd kind of ended up doing was sort of starting with the differentiation between players and companies. Yes. And players do stock rounds, companies do operating rounds. And I think I'd started with the operating round, if I remember correctly. Yes, that's what I did as well, actually. So I kind of started from the back you know started at the end so basically what you want to do is have the most money at the end and this is how you do it so companies will operate in this way and then i did stock round and then i did private auction um after that so completely in reverse which i think is is decent as well because if you explain something like private auction first then by the time you actually do the private auction you've probably forgotten everything you were told because you've been told so many other things in between now Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, private auction was the last thing. Yeah. Which I think makes sense. It's almost like if you have player powers in a game, it's exactly. the last thing you do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you first explain what's common to everyone and then what the what the differences are in the player powers. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. I think we, at least we agree on the approach. Yeah. Yeah, so she said she'll play again. And I said, well, maybe after a second play, we could have her as a guest on the podcast and hear her thoughts. Yeah, that'd be super fun, man. Mm. Yeah, we wanted to do that. But I think we should play 89 again. Uh, with her when oh we, definitely yeah, yeah. not definitely. trying to introduce a new 18xx or anything but next time no warning we'll be dumping some companies <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, i've always got time for 89 oh yeah that no. is like a cool drink of water for me these days uh, it i love is. it so it's, much it's a very good it game just plays in a nice amount of time it's nice and simple and straightforward but there's just a lot of fun stuff you can do and a lot of cool stuff that i just yeah i think it's great yeah yeah no i really like it as well yeah man well i'm glad that one went well though yeah no it did it went very well i think another one in the fold it was a little long but yeah no, it was enjoyed by all i think so yeah, it sounds like no one was sort of bored or over it by the end, which is always great. Yeah, yeah. Nice, man. Sure. So we covered all all five games. Then. Yeah, I think uh, we managed to fit that into one episode. Sure. And I think those are all the games we brought. As well. All the 18xx's we brought, yes. Yes, yeah. All the 18xx's we brought. Yeah, we didn't. We decided not to bring the library. We kind of decided before and what we wanted to play. You wanted to play an 1830 again. I really wanted to try, um, what should we call it, the South African one. Yes. And then, yeah, you wanted to try 46 again and then just brought 89 because we thought if we teach something or if we want to play a two-player. So, yeah, it kind of worked out exactly yeah. in that way. So yeah. it was cool. Yeah. Very fun. I'm excited to play 62 now, man. 
keen to actually i'm just keen to open that box and see all the crap that's inside there yeah you should hopefully get it next week sometime eh? yeah no i should do i think uh, as long as it comes through the customs the end process or whatever quite quickly then it normally gets here pretty fast from yes there. yeah once it's through there then it's just a, a courier delivery so yeah exactly mm, excitement yeah pity no one's here to play it with me though <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh it won't be too long before i'm back <laughs> Yeah, we'll play a two-player game. Maybe I'll play the solo, but get really brave. Ooh, you're not much of a solo gamer, though, so that would I'm be interesting. definitely not. Yeah, I can't see myself summoning the willpower to oh, to learn that. I, I could solo an 18xx. I'd be very interested in trying a solo 18xx. Yeah, we might have to get you to review the solo. Maybe I won't lose. I don't know how solo works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Uh, I guess it depends. Some of them are like a high score and some of them you play against like a bot, right? Yes, yeah. So I guess it depends, yeah. yeah. But sometimes they give you those score ratings where it's like if you got less than 100, you kind of suck, you know? Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I'll, yeah, it's a good idea. I can review the solo version. I feel like you play against another player though because like money in a in a Asian XX is a really hard thing to quantify. Mm. in terms of it being like a high score like some games can just have a lot more money flowing than others and there's, there's a lot that goes into i think what your scores kind of generally look like yes so i don't think that necessarily like if you played well you have a lot of money right yeah you know jc always likes to talk about the critical dollar right you only need one dollar mm. and second place so yeah I don't think it would be a money-based thing. I assume you play against like a bot of some kind and then... Yeah, so maybe I won't win then. Mm. Then it crushes you and you reassess everything. I might be in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) AI is pretty good these days. Gonna come to the podcast like I lost to the bot 10 times. (laughs) I think the AlphaGo team were behind. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) DeepMind developed the bot. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, man. So do you have anything South African you want to talk about? No, I haven't thought of anything. Have you got something? <laughs> I stumbled across I stumbled across this thing, the, the top 25 bizarre South African headlines. Of the time. <laughs> oh, okay. That could be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just picking out my favorite. So we do get some pretty crazy news headlines here. Mm. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know why, but I've seen some pretty crazy but these ones are these ones are pretty good okay um so i'm gonna read the number one <laughs> okay. i don't know if they've ranked them but i like the number one so for those who don't know there's a word here gogo so gogo is basically like a, a slang term for like a grandmother like a very old woman yeah but it's also often used just as in respect to an older woman yes yeah exactly yeah yeah it doesn't have to necessarily be your grandmother yes old <laughs> so it says community members congratulate Gogo reaching 113 years when they started clapping their hands she died from the loud noise oh no that's horrible <laughs> that's terrible <laughs> okay how about this one hide and seek champion found dead in a wardrobe <laughs> <laughs> so was he is he posthumously awarded the championship or? <laughs> yeah that's what I'm wondering as well is he the champ? Like, do they need to revise that? <laughs> and why did no one check the wardrobe? I don't feel like that's such a sick spot. You know what I mean? If they found him like halfway up a chimney, I'd respect the hustle. But I don't know, a wardrobe? Yeah. 
Maybe it's a wardrobe like four houses down. That seems like a pretty common spot. Yeah, pretty obvious spot. Maybe there's maybe there's a lot of meta and hide and seek world championships that we don't know about. <laughs> maybe, yeah, I don't know what level these guys are playing at, but they're putting their life on the line. So <laughs> respect. <laughs> this one is definitely a tabloid headline. Boy born with just a head in Lesotho. They call him nobody. They call him what? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be a time yeah a man currently in a coma after attempting to speak vendor on an empty stomach <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what exactly vendor sounds like but but that's a- that must be one of those headlines where the it doesn't really match like it it's not causal like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's on. He's on an empty stomach, or he's in a coma from an empty stomach, and then he happened to speak vendor or try and speak vendor, and they made it sound like him trying to speak vendor on an empty stomach caused the coma. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe yeah. Maybe those two things are totally unrelated. Yes, I think so. But how does one attempt to speak vendor on an empty stomach? Like, what <laughs> makes that process difficult? <laughs> well, maybe he's not vendor. <laughs> It's like I could ex- attempt oh. to speak German <laughs> or something, you know. Yo, there's a lot of Limpopo news, eh? Okay. Uh, that seems to be a chicken with three drumsticks spotted in Limpopo. <laughs> three drumsticks. <laughs> it's not even dead yet, and they called it drumsticks already. <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> I thought as well. Like, they just they just saw one of those cartoon chickens yeah. cooked and steaming. They were like, oh my. <laughs> Criminal from Limpopo arrested for stealing other people's shadows. <laughs> shadows so this is kind of funny because this is legit something that could happen is this like a witch doctor type thing that's what i'm saying yeah it absolutely could be like a traditional healer kind of thing where someone got condemned for stealing shadows yeah hundred percent wow i don't know what kind of arrest that would be because i don't know if the police would be involved something like that but hundred percent that could happen You have a lot of like, there's a there's a lot of like very powerful Sangomas and stuff in South Africa. Powerful in the sense that they have a lot of influence, right? They have a lot of people who listen to them. Yes, yeah, they they carry a large following. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone in one of these communities says that that guy's stealing everyone's shadow, hundred percent, he could uh, he could be in trouble. Yeah. So police were on the lookout for a shady character. <laughs> oh wow! Slow clap. <laughs> Limpopo Gogo died yesterday, but she is okay now. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, but a but of <laughs> I like the feel good news, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah. I hope I'm okay after I die. <laughs> <laughs> Five stolen cars found inside of Fiat Uno. Culprits still at large. Oh wow. <laughs> Well, they definitely didn't drive the Uno away. So. Fiat Unos. I don't know if everyone knows what a Fiat, Fiat Uno looks like, but they are very small cars. <laughs> they are tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like smart car level. Yes. People in Limpopo complaining about the heat. They say it is causing their chickens to lay boiled eggs. <laughs> Hard-boiled eggs, probably. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's always Limpopo, man. There's some crazy stuff happening. Yeah, it's like... California man, or what is it in the US? Oh, yes. Oh, Florida man. Florida, Florida man. man. Florida, yeah. Where they're not allowed to name, like, suspects or anything. So it's always Florida man did this. And F- Floridians seem to always be up to cuck. Yes. <laughs> always up to something there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so this this one is actually really great. This one I love. But um, you have to know what a tokolosh is. So 
a tokolosh in uh, African culture is sort of like a an evil little demon, sort of like a Niha little demon thing. Mm. So it says, yeah, Tokolosh removed my name on the newspaper. It says depressed matriculant. <laughs> oh. So in South Africa, when you finish matric, which is your last grade of school, um, they post all the results in the newspaper. So it shows in the newspaper who passed and who didn't pass. So yes. if your name is in the newspaper, a lot of people will check their results in the newspaper to see if they passed matric. Right. So this, this depressed matriculant is saying that he did pass, but the Tokolosh removed his name. Oh, no. <laughs> How did you check your matric results, by the way? That's actually a good question. I feel like I went to the school because they like, posted them up at the school. I feel like, but I could have potentially check the newspaper first like i can't remember really either but i think we had a phone number we could phone and enter your i don't know id number or something and then it told you right for because people are usually on holiday at that time at the time the results come out and stuff so i definitely remember seeing my name in the newspaper but i don't know if that was before or after yeah at the school or whatever but i was like a walking distance from my school so. okay yeah but yeah same i saw mine as well but that's not the the first way I found out. Mm. But I mean, it makes sense because people go on vacation in December for us, which is when schools end. So no, not everyone is close to the school to go and check their results. So then you use the newspaper. Yeah, man. Man shoots himself five times in the head. Wow. Uh, <laughs> some, I have questions. <laughs> That's all I could say about that one. It's like questions. the suicide by gunshot to the back of the head. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it could be one. That's for sure. Yeah. Fake interpreter arrested for telling deaf people that Nelson Mandela is still in hospital. Oh no! Is this a recent headline? I don't know. It must be. Get a hobby, man. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. I think that's probably enough headlines. Yeah. <laughs> the last one was about a naopis smoker causing a horrible scene at a hospital, demanding to see Dr. Dre. Oh no. <laughs> So Nyopia, if people don't know, is basically like a combination of heroin, weed, and ARVs, which are the HIV drugs. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a very not nice cocktail. It's kind of like a very cheap drug in South Africa, but extremely harmful for obvious okay. reasons. Okay, sure. Yeah. Hectic. Yeah, man. Hmm. So there's some feel-good news in there. <laughs> see, guys, Africa's not all bad. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you see a chicken with three drumsticks, okay? Things are pretty cool around here. Just don't try to speak a foreign language on an empty stomach. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Just be careful. <laughs> if you're from another country, don't come here and start speaking your native language before you've had something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Should we finish off there? Yes, I think so. Well, sweet, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, and hope you all have a good Christmas, a good festive season, a good Hanukkah, a good, yeah, any end of the year celebrations. Enjoy. Yes, all of those things, yeah. Absolutely. Sweet. Thanks, everyone. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Bye. If you would like to get in touch with us, we are at Derailed18xx on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us, Derailed18xx at gmail.com. And we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash derailed18xx. Thanks for listening.